In the time it takes to finish one stiff drink, my special guest Zachary Robbins and I will discuss all things comedy. We'll swap some stories about why and how humor has been important in our lives. And we'll find out once and for all if one stiff drink makes you better at mixology. So stay tuned for this episode of The Boondock Perspective. Where class is optional. It's yet another carefree day in Maine, and you're listening to The Boondock Perspective, the show that not only loves unique viewpoints, but fully embraces them. Here with me this week to chat, laughing, and vibe is Zachary Robbins, 30-year performance veteran, co-founder of the sketch comedy group Her Majesty's Cabaret, and, as his Instagram profile states, artist-ish, activist-ish, decent musician, adequate DJ, licensed marriage efficient, solid human, friend of dogs, and available for parties. Zach, welcome to the show. You are pulling out alcohol. No, I'm not. It's it's not booze. Does it say that? Not not alcohol? It is. It is. It is not not booze. This not is a toddler-friendly show, my friend. It is. I even brought a spout so we could like seem professional. This is how I like pay for my bills, but <laughs> you surprised me with that, and I wasn't sure if you were in the camera frame. For those listening on audio, this is available on video. You should watch it in the car when your kids are sleeping in the backseat on your way to there Disneyland. There we go. That sounded fantastic. It is fantastic. No, uh, I know you make drinks, but I wanted to be. Has anyone made you a, made you a drink? No, I usually mean? I'm the I'm the mixologist. Well, f that me. And I, I pretty much just pour rum in the. You know, well, that's cute. Mug. No. Well, I'm I am a bartender, so I might as well do uh, you know my soy thing. sauce. Interesting. Soy sauce. Very soy good. sauce. Interesting. Yes. Savory. <laughs> no, I'm gonna make you something that uh, I like with my own little spin, and my own little spin is a really nice way of saying I added a thing that I'm more than certain thousands of people have done. But uh, <laughs> I'm wearing one. I've washed my hands because I am surf safe. That's cool. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, so this works out. Yes, and I put on this because I have a, a laceration on my finger. Oh, excellent. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take some ice, which I I brought you my own ice. I made mm-hmm. you. I, not, I actually, I didn't make it. I brought it from work. That's good for you. We're going to get that up there. I love are chewing you, on are, ice. Are you familiar with ice? Do you know how ice works? I do. My dentist hates me. All right. So... We got our ice. Good good job, everybody. <laughs> everybody did ice. All right. Do you know, all have right. you ever bartended? No, not once in my life. My my only waiter gig was pretty much, all right, pay at the front. <laughs> and, you know, You're better than like it. half of the people. All right. <laughs> so uh, if, if you ever bartend um, and you want to practice with the snot booze, mm-hmm. you do three count is about two-ish ounces of alcohol. Two ounces is pretty much your standard shot. Uh, depending on how much you like somebody, you can go Mississippis uh, or steamboats, whichever you want. I like you, so we'll go one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, yay. Four I, Mississippi. All right, we'll go four No, no, that was four. Too late, <laughs> too late. Oh, man. This isn't retail. I can do what I want. I'm going to maybe not go that heavy, but I will do that. <laughs> all right, so we got a little, little <laughs> boy. Do, do a switch around. Oh, no, the, the Iocane's in both. All right, <laughs> then we do... Uh, Let's do a little of the old ginger beer. I like this ginger beer. It's very, uh, it's very uh, bitey. It's very strong. Mm. I actually will serve this to people that aren't drinking because it feels like alcohol. I'm gonna take a. Oh, you hear that little, fizz? Ooh. Yeah, ooh, ooh, ooh! I got a little uh, fresh lime juice there. Mm. I'm gonna do that right there. 
Looks, we're gonna looks give her... delicious. Did you crush that on the way here? I did. Were you just sitting on it in the ride over? Well, as of the rest of my life, I'm totally crushing it. So <laughs> now we're going to do a little bit of the old bitters. Little blop, blop, little bleep, blop. There we go. Got to taste what this. What's bitters? <laughs> He spilled bitters. some on the table, so I'm gonna taste it. Bitters on its own. is a like super concentrated. Oh my god, that's incredible! High proof alcohol. Can I just drink bitters? Yeah, man. Um, it, it's super boozy. Uh, it's a lot of gentian root, which is the same thing that's in moxie, and uh, other herbs. It is added to a lot of good things. Give it a little kick. I put it in this because I like to put it on everything, and then just a tiny. Hold on, hold on. You gotta get that for your shot. A little wheel. A little wheel. Just a little wheel. And I know that the black glove totally makes it look like I'm now going to give you a tattoo. <laughs> you have this beverage. <laughs> Who's Stacy? Who's Stacy? <laughs> All right, so are we cheersing this together? We are cheersing this together because we're together. I'm going to keep the glove on. I think it gives me a street Yeah, cut. it gives you like a real sense of authority. Like it, people need to listen to you. One glove. Cheers. Salute. Cheers. Wow, that was the like most upsetting. Let's do that one more time. Oh, break it. Cheers. I won't be quiet. I want That's still like the least glassy. <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a drink right Yeah, That's yeah. Uh, it's pretty tasty, my friend. Mm. For those watching at home, that is a uh, Kentucky Mule uh, with some bitters in it. And uh, much like comedy and other things in life, it's, uh, it's all the little tricks that other people have done. <laughs> but as long as you put your own spin on it, it's original. <laughs> And this one right here, this has a fresh strawberry that was picked last year. This has a fresh lime from Hannaford that I got mm. when I was grocery shopping before I picked my wife up to come here. Mm. Everything else is from the bar. <laughs> it's very good. I mean, we may end up to have to uh, do a double down option at the halfway point. Well, we do. I mean, I have that pour spout on now. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's dangerous. And I hope you know. Does, does that just stay much... on there now? Is it yeah, just permanently locked in I'll there? probably take it with me. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. I hope you – you should feel honored. I don't drink often anymore, so this is – Oh, really? What was, what's your rule? Uh, like, for me, it's social – like, if I go out with somebody, uh, then I drink, but I try not to drink unless I am with a friend or family member. Uh, wow, those are – that's a pretty good one. I just it, – Well, it's, it's, it's expansive, but it's better than, you know, three rum and Cokes at night when I get home from work because that's what I was doing. There's a lot of calories in that, and it's kind of a depressing lifestyle. You know what has no calories – Weed. Um, <laughs> <coughs> no, I sound I, like I baked up on the way over here, but no, I just have mononucleosis. Oh, it's perfectly fine. Eat it. It's way better, too. <laughs> Saving your lungs. No, um, I, uh, yeah, no, I used to drink a lot. Uh, it's not good for my brain, man. And because uh, I, I do bartend as, mm. I mean, if you're a performance anywhere, you're a bartender or you're doing nine other jobs that I have. Mm-hmm. Um I'll taste alcohol. Uh, I'll drink on occasions. I like, you know, births, deaths, weddings, holidays. Uh, we'll probably drink after like a really good show. Um, nah, I used to, I used to drink a lot, but uh, again, yeah, it's not good for my brain. I uh, I was I was I was diagnosed with a mental illness, and drinking a lot is not good for it, especially mm. when you're taking medication to not. Yeah. Be it's, crazy. It's not even good with ibuprofen. I can't imagine it's good with any other kind of Oh, it's great with ibuprofen. Speeds it up. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like, did you ever have those, uh, like, dudes <laughs> in high school? I feel like I need to put, like, a little <laughs> disclaimer on the bottom screen, like, do not try this at home. Oh, don't try it at home. However, um, I don't know. Well, you, you're from the sticks, and Bangor at large is the sticks. I mean, Maine is just a gigantic stick. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever have, like, blood donation 
gay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you ever? I never know did the one guys, of those back home. Yeah, uh, I do them now, but I never did one back home. Well, they used to be. I never did this. I was a goody goody until I really got to college. Um, but uh, there would be dudes who would you could get signed out of class, so you get your last class you get signed out of. They would give blood, and then they would all leave, and they like four guys would split a beer, and they would get hammered. <laughs> I was I there's one time uh, where I was in honor society and we like volunteered for the blood uh donation and we were in charge of you know making sure people had cookies and increase their blood sugar before they walked out and I've seen like seven people faint your like your blood sugar is very low uh a, you know what is it an eighth of your blood like that's a pretty large chunk mm-hmm. so an eighth or a sixth or something like that I don't remember what yeah. the actual donation is but before we continue I want I gave a really really extensive uh, introduction for you. I've never given one that big for you, but that part, was such. Uh, that was. I feel welcomed, by the way. In part, it's because I just had to read it off your own profile. Yeah, because um, I couldn't think of anything <laughs> other than I'm here. I'm doing stuff. I, I try to be a good boy. <laughs> uh, so here's what I'm going to do. In order to find out whether or not one stiff drink makes you better at mixology, which I feel like you uh, are a veteran at this and are going to pass my test because I Googled it about 10 minutes before you showed up. Um, I have a list of four drinks. Okay. And for this first segment, what we're going to do is I'm going to list the ingredients Mm -hmm. and you are going to tell me what the drink is. All right. All right. So we're going to do this four times. Okay. You ready? Start with an easy one. Chew in my ice. It's a bad idea to put ice in this, man. No, it's not. It's great. Oh, God. I chew so much ice. Chew the ice. Who gives a shit? Um, It's real. It's reality. Coffee, liqueur, vodka, and cream. Coffee, liqueur, vodka, and and cream? Cream. Um, That's either a mudslide or a B-52. Yeah. Okay. I have white Russian, but mudslide and white Russian are extraordinarily similar, right? They are. They're like a step difference. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's go uh, sugar, bitters, whiskey, and citrus rind. Sugar, bitters, citrus rind? And whiskey. Uh, Th- that, these that, are recipes based off of Wikipedia. Wikipedia? So, Wikipedia. Um, so I, I don't know how to make any of these drinks, so you can that, prove is, me wrong that, if I'm is wrong. It, is it basically an old-fashioned? That's an old-fashioned. Here you go. Two for two for four. All right, let's go with... Uh, ooh, let's go with a hard... I'll go with a, a, uh, another medium one and then a hard one. Uh, or what I think is going to be hard. Medium hard. Vodka, triple sec, cranberry juice, and Cosmo. lime juice. That's a Cosmo. There you go. You got you got my medium yeah, one. Yeah, that's one of uh, five drinks that has just been reduced down to Becky. All <laughs> uh, right. Tequila, orange juice, grenadine, maraschino, cherry, umbrella. Um, a tequila sunrise or or uh, just a mistake. <laughs> there you go. Four for four. It's a, mis- it's a mistake. Tequila tastes like fist fight to me. Uh, we I, I went on a cruise before recording this, and we did seven days. You know, you buy the drink package; it's fifty-two <sighs> bucks a day. Next thing you know, so I'm trying to hit fifteen drinks a day. You know what I mean? And uh, it's ill-advised. I, they had something called uh, a kiss on the lips. Well, I don't I don't know what was in it. I never really asked, but like no alcohol. I mean, it looked like a lot of alcohol, but it wasn't. And my tactic was two margaritas for a buzz, kiss on the lips to maintain. If I shrink another margarita, so I basically just drank tequila for seven days. <clears throat> And it was and it shows. incredible. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you got the diabetes. Now, now you got the diabetes. <laughs> now I got the diabetes. And my mononucleosis is way worse. I feel like this actually. Just scratching your beard. Scratching the beard. And I just, I, I feel either, uh, I can't tell if I feel cool or evil or both. Well, the black love is adding to it. This is so weird. All especially right. that we're talking so much about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk comedy. Um, you have a long track record. 
<laughs> Classic comedy right there. Um, you you say you've been performing for 30 years. Yeah. Um, you don't look like you're five years over 30. I'm 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 five and a half years over thirty. Come Ooh. come Christmas, all right. Christmas so, Eve's my half birthday. So for thirty years of performing, I assume some of that was like middle school plays, high school plays, performance for like family members. Do uh, my first like my first real. I mean, I mean, if you want to be technical, like the first time I ever performed or like acted on stage, I was three. Doing what? Or I wasn't even on stage. I was in a commercial. So my dad used to do uh, marketing advertising in the area, like. I was uh, I was three I want to say three or four but um, I was in a commercial for uh, there was <laughs> it wasn't Naps music there was a music shop down on Main Street and I'm blanking on it right now but uh, yeah I he just like pointed a camera he gave me some lines and I like played some drums and then I strummed a guitar and then I said some sort of kitschy line and then boom that was <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever like performed in a I guess air quote professional capacity. He did pay me, which yeah, is yeah. nice. Uh I got twenty bucks. <laughs> and twenty bucks in like nineteen eighty eight to a four year old? Mm. Holy shit. Oh yeah. And I got a taste for it. I got a little a little something sweet out of it. And then um the first, money? The money. The, sweet, no, it's sweet, all about the money. Sweet sweet Mulan. No, the first show I did was uh Christmas Carol. Ooh. Uh and it was at the Dowdy School I want to say it was Bangor, um, the Bangor Theater Company or um, Bangor Community Theater. I can't remember. Uh, Rich Kimball played oh, yeah. uh, uh, either Marley or Bob Cratchit. My dad was in that. Uh, a bunch of people that are in the area now. And I played Tiny Tim. Uh, I also, no one's surprised. I've also, uh, I played Tiny Tim five times. <laughs> the last time I was 12. I'm not a tall fella. You're not a tall fella. For those of you <laughs> listening, I, I I I do not sound this tall. Well, you have a character that's uh, named Little Timmy that I've seen in Little full. Little Timmy. Little Timmy. Little Timmy. Can you give me a little piece of that voice? Hey, Professor! <laughs> I just uh, drank a lot of uh, boric nitrate. I ain't feeling so hot. Uh, for those for those who don't understand the reference, who <laughs> I guarantee is nobody that's watching my stuff, um, I, I had the opportunity of working for Her Majesty's Cabaret and coming on in a larger pro- uh, capacity because of this project. Completely I on. blind, by the way. We we just yanked you in. Yeah, I walked in, no script, no anything, and ended up recording this really funny seven eight minute. Uh, 1950s inspired educational film and it's all about science and it's uh it's hilarious i'll put a link somewhere in the description go check it out it's it's very very funny science and you what you need to know yeah. about you know the, the everything, world around you. everything like uh with uh, uh my wife emily burnham and then brad labrie who i watched his to make sure i cover bases about comedy he didn't and by didn't, I mean either forgot or just isn't as good as me. Well, if, Dave, I, if he ends up listening to this, I need to apologize to him, but I haven't done it in person yet. Because I, too, watched it in preparation for this. And I caught a mistake where he requested I remove something from it. And I thought I did, but it did not. Um, we lo- it's, it happens a lot in, in podcast forms and interview forms where you just get off track. And you realize you're not talking about what the question was anymore. Wait, we're on track right and now? That's, oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is I redesigned it so there's no longer a track, right? But the first season there was a track mind, and uh, we came off of it. He requested. We, he was like, can I start over? I was like, yeah. And then I reset the question, and I never I never deleted it. So we both just sounded like bumbling fools for a like good five-minute period. So I, am, I apologize, Brad. 
um, and uh, hopefully you and uh, Kat Johnson, who was on last week, no longer uh, or don't hate me for it and have faith that I did not do that to them. Uh, Ethan, I don't hate you. And uh, Brad and Kat, who I will see tomorrow for rehearsal, uh, I make no apology uh, for anything uh, at any time whatsoever. <laughs> you have my wrath coming to you. Not at all. They're awesome. They're great. I'm a better person for knowing them. No, I love them. Um, so you said you watched the podcast with Brad. You say he missed on some stuff. I was just being a dick. If you're going to rattle off one thing that he missed, what would it be? I I, I don't know. I was I, you backed me. You just painted me in a corner. There you go, Brad. I, I, I was, I was back, just shitting on him. Really. I just made up for not for not you know being a good. Yeah, friend. Yeah, Brad. I love you, and you're great, and you're half the reason I'm able to do the things I do now as an adult. So uh, I I was just jabbing you, man. Sorry. I mean, there's plenty of things we agree and disagree on, but uh, uh, he is the yin to my yang. I love mm. that man. Go More check out Brad Lindsay's podcast. Uh, <laughs> He's a cheap, cheap son of a bitch, but <laughs> God damn it, he's funny, and he's yeah. kind, and he's sweet. I love working with him. Um, so if you started acting on stage at three, and you ended up, you know, you were regularly performing by, by 12, um, who were your early inspirations? You know, were there movies, actors, comedians that stuck out to you, specifically uh, in the 1980s? Well, um, in the not necessarily the 80s. I grew up on old TV and old movies, so I liked Bigger personalities, plus um, my older brothers are much older than myself. Uh, I'm the youngest by a decade. It goes, my middle brother is 10 years older than me, and then my uh, oldest brother is 12 years older than me. So, uh, and and they were, I was left in their care a lot, and they they didn't censor anything or whatever. I saw things I really probably shouldn't have seen at such a young age. Uh, I don't mean abuse, by the way. I just mean like in media. Apologies. But, uh, Chris and Micah were... <laughs> used to beat the shit out of me. No, 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 no. There was no abuse <laughs> by today's standards. Um, but no, I remember uh, it was just a, a hodgepodge of stuff because uh, I loved... God, I love Danny Kaye. I loved George Carlin. And I know that's something like mm-hmm. maybe a six-year-old shouldn't like know Carlin. about. Yeah, six-year-old probably shouldn't know about um, the words he can't say on TV. The Twilight Zone was so formative in every aspect of art for me. Um, let's see. Uh, I just Any movie you could think of where it was big and stupid and foolish. Uh, and I liked – because my dad was a performer and my mom uh, – is an artist, and I mean, she still is, but uh, was an art teacher. So anything that, like, I, I, I got to see things that inspired me, not necessarily performers, but even the way directors worked, mm-hmm. uh, the, way, the way Spielberg would, like, layer a shot kind of informed oh, yeah, how I acted, uh, uh, like E.T., like, just, just like, the, the, the way it's colored mm-hmm. just somehow informs how you perform in a scene and the setting of such. Um Let's see. Yeah, uh, Carlin was big. I probably shouldn't have known about Bill Hicks when I was like <laughs> seven years old, but it really explains a lot. Probably the hair right now uh, that I have that I've been growing out. Um, and it was it was all comedy in our house. All always yeah. comedy, and a lot of it just came out of. I mean, late eighties, early nineties for a kid was it, it was it, it was such like uh, over over senses overload because you had like you know everything was Wee's playhouse uh you had weird owls television show beekman's world you had all these crazy somewhat subversive television shows for children on yeah and like nickelodeon was coming into its prime yeah blamed um, for like a lot of adhd in the 2000s <laughs> yeah and then uh mtv was uh mtv uh animation was coming up in my formative years 
and like Eon Flux, uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, oh and, man, Beavis. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was really coming up as sarcasm was starting to just completely take hold of everything. Mm. And I'm so thankful for that. It's funny that I'm, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, you know, movies, I mean, even Caddyshack, you know, it, it blurred the lines of between comedy and just like political and things that are going on in the political climate at the time, you know, specifically around like marijuana and, yeah. and like violence. And, it, you know, in just this really, really small way, violence for the sake of being funny, you know, eating poop. It's probably the first time that was ever on camera. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the. It broke ground on in, so many small things. This is something. This is a person that has informed many conversations. Part of my relationship with my wife is John Waters. And if you are not familiar with the film Pink Flamingos, you need to see it because Divine, uh, who is this wonderful. I'm sorry, I pointed at you. That's very. I dare you. Dare, dare you. <laughs> I feel offended. This is my impression of every Harrison Ford scene. Now, look. Okay. Um, Divine actually ate shit on camera what the real shit yeah pink flamingos john waters what? every john waters film is brilliant for some reason watch that it's real he ate real crap he ate the poop eat that two girls one cup yeah he was it was it was it was it was the he was yeah hmm. it was the it was the, the progeny right there um Wow, but comedy wise, uh, I mean, yeah, I think of the '80s, like like I was saying, is there was a line. I think where you're right, sarcasm started to come into play, and I don't, I don't think about movies before the '80s, maybe '85, oh God, about yeah. being sarcastic and like really introducing. But it. that's been around forever, like sarcasm and cynicism. Oh, that's true. I'm thinking of Blazing Saddles now, and I'm and I'm, oh, I'm yeah, seeing Mel, a lot the of the entire oeuvre of Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was huge in our house. I've seen History of the World Part One <laughs> so many goddamn times, and. Um, it lends to just also in my family because some of my and uh, uh, comedic uh, inspirations or people I just sort of glean something from. One of the funniest people I know on the planet is my older brother Chris. Oh yeah, that's, that's he, how it usually works. Yeah, he's he's whip smart. Um, our entire family, like my dad, will even say too, and and my mother, God love her, patience of the saint, will put up with it. Uh, my dad's favorite thing is for all the, the boys and their wives and the nephews to be around. Yes. You just squeaked your rubber glove. <laughs> Sorry. Um, to uh, sit around the table and shit on him and roast. We just, we roast and, and jive each other so mm. hard. And it gets so vague and surreal and just coming out of like the most left-handed side of things to mock somebody instead of just saying they're fat or stupid yeah, or yeah. any of that. Because that stuff's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Imagine saying grace instead of saying grace. You just start roasting the family. Like, all right, let's all hold hands and roast. There's no, yeah, no. That that's that doesn't even begin. I think we, <laughs> I think we said grace a couple times growing up when Thanksgiving was at somebody else's house. Yeah, yeah. We're all happy to be there and alive. That's our grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so if those are your early influences, uh, I assume you still take influence by the same people now, but is there like one or two people that like really stand out whenever they post something or they release a new special or they come out in a new movie? You're just like, I need to go to the theater and watch this. Like I will, I swear to God in this capitalistic society, I'm going to go support what this man is doing. Um, you know what I mean? I will watch anything John Mulaney is attached to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Big Mouth is I like... will watch anything Lewis Black has to say. Mm -hmm. Um... I love Wanda Sykes because uh, I specifically I like Wanda Sykes because she just she has an act and she yeah. builds on it like every stand up does, but she just speaks. <laughs> that just makes me happy. She just speaks truth to power. She's just honest. The, it never gets bizarre. It's just so straightforward mm. and it's a perspective that I 
like uh, if you're listening and not watching, um, if you can't tell, I am not a middle aged black woman. I just want to be clear, uh, and I don't pretend to be. <laughs> and uh, so that's something I don't really know about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I, I like to be informed by others. Um, and then uh, she's such a big personality. I mean, she's got big hair, big vocal, big linguistics. You know what I mean? She's big. She's, she's just but, big. But she, I. She was a. She didn't do it till later in life. That's. I really enjoy now uh, people that are really getting into things. Like she, she didn't start doing comedy until like I think her late thirties, mid late thirties or something like that. Um, and I've watched a couple. Like I think I've watched all her specials and a bunch of interviews. And she's just a real human being and binds the humor from that. And I tend to be bizarre in the things I find funny or the scenarios I create in my head but um, a lot of humor and a lot of comedy comes out of this deep deep welling of empathy that mm. um, is, is is nature is nurture it's how I was raised it's because of my screwed up brain chemistry <laughs> it's the company I keep it's it's so deeply rooted in humanity and and not uh, the punching down. <laughs> That I I take I there are times when I'll watch a comedy special and I'll cry I'll I'll admit it mm-hmm. uh, a comedy special make you cry yeah that's gorgeous I've never heard anybody else say that to some because I have had so many points in time where I've listened to a comedy special and even though I am laughing I just understand it on such a deep level that it's like somebody was able to figure out how to put this emotion I felt for years into words yeah. and I feel less alone. And it's just like a single tear will come out. You just you said it I mean? best. And it's yeah. not the the laughing so hard you're crying. It's just that it's, ultimate it's, connection and and yeah. Oh, I, I'm definitely a cry at movies guy. I'm, oh, super, and, yeah. and if emotion takes me, like I will tell you something that is the greatest therapy you can have, especially nowadays, is I will watch uh, Queer Eye with my wife and we will just strap in <clears throat> just because we know we're going to cry because... Five fantastic human beings are making somebody who is very unfabulous very fabulous. Mm. But uh, you gave me the you gave me the whirly sign, so uh, yeah, we got like five. Well, the, the whirly sign means you got five minutes, and we just got to find a way to end the podcast uh, a little little close so I can give a sponsor break. Um, but I guess we'll do it now. Now that we have the most unnatural segue in the world, that's not a, no. This is a natural segue. <laughs> hey, we're running out of time. We got to do this thing. Don't I got, they oh, know what's oh, going on? Oh, Don't yeah. play into their hand. Give them give them the real deal, man. Listen, tippies. All right. We gotta do a sponsorship. I need some cash. I need some flow. You need a sponsorship. You need. You got an event that needs sponsoring. You come to me. Season three coming out next year. Uh, in the meantime, watch this. Hey, this is Ethan Levesque, your host of the Boondock Perspective. I just wanted to take this minute to thank you for watching season two. Your support through this season has been incredible, and I am so excited to produce season three next year. The guest list is already looking fantastic. The theme for this sponsorship is Show Some Love. Before getting back to the discussion with Zach, I have three plugs. First is that this show would literally not be possible without the support and work from my audio engineer, Tyler Brooks of Brooks Sound. This awesome guy spends hours a week mixing and mastering to make sure your sound quality is the best. If you need any audio music or general recording, mixing, and mastering, I'll connect you. Second plug, on this show you've heard me talk a lot about my other productions. For example, my 45-minute action thriller Indemnity, 
my seven-episode mockumentary web series Loon Echo, and my full-length documentary currently in production, Maine Up to Spain, about my personal weight loss journey. If you really like The Boondock Perspective and want to show support in a larger form, please contact me via the Facebook page Messenger platform and order the DVDs of those productions. All proceeds go to funding for the Northern Oak Media Productions, and that includes this podcast. Lastly, show some love to The Boondock Perspective by going through any clips and sharing your favorite moments with your friends and on your Facebook timeline. Season 3 is going to be a beautiful work, and I want as many people as possible to see it. Thanks again for listening and watching at home. I can't wait to show you what's in store. I'll see you next year. (laughs) You just said a funny thing. You're hilarious, Ethan. I'm thinking about in season three featuring a double down feature in alcohol. And I'm not exactly all the way through this drink, but it is the halfway point. How would you feel about pouring one more shot on this thing? I'll pour a shot for you. Hmm. I topped mine up with ginger beer. I'm just going to let it Did run you? Out. All right. Yeah, that's when you do it. All right. It's getting a little cold outside, so. Let's fill it out. Yeah. That's a plenty. I got to drive to somewhere tonight, probably. Maybe not. Uh, not as long as you have a glass of water, you'll be fine. <laughs> Eat something. Uh, maybe like a little more ginger beer, because that's just straight up whiskey at this point. Yeah, boy. But yeah, I'll just oh, make oh, sure. Oh, 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 oh. I'll make sure this is gone by the time we finish this. Oh, boy. You guys should see this drink. What do you call this? Uh, it's just a, uh, it's a Tennessee Kentucky Mule, Kentucky Mule, it's, it's Mule, it's Mule, just <laughs> a right. general amount of Mule. Okay, so there is this very large conversation happening around comedy, and it's probably been happening around comedy for a very long time. I'll take a little stir too, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, it's been happening around comedy for a long time, and that is um, that. <clears throat> first of all, comedy is subjective. And secondly, that th- how do you operate comedy without offending anybody? And the real answer is probably it's never going to happen, in my opinion. But wh- where do you stand on subjective comedy and never offending at people? You know, you have to operate with a certain guideline. You know, where where do you fall? A, well, I I think there's a, a, a big amount of volume from two different sides. Um, I think it all just comes down to tact. And and intelligence because yeah all comedy is inherently cruel but also all comedy is comes from a good comedy at least for me comes from a place of of empathy and relation or at the very least presenting a perspective of like I don't know about this clue me in or um, it's tact really because um, I'll hear you know hear somebody on a, a vaguely Rogan esque podcast or anybody just being like oh well you can't comedy's over man you can't you can't everybody's offended it's like no dipshit (laughs) it's like there's a constitution for comedy they're called amendments because you change them it's much like guess what we now know owning a person was bad (laughs) That's why you don't get to own people anymore, because that was not a good thing to do. That's right. I'm going to make a stand right now. I'm anti-slavery. Call me old-fashioned. <laughs> Carl, call me woke. No, but it's, um, for instance, the guy that uh, was about to be on SNL, and then he got booted. I can't remember his I name. I call this. Okay, so this happened a couple months ago before the season started. There was going to be a new cast member, and then um, footage of him on his, oddly enough, a podcast leaked, and I'll... 
tell you the subject matter in a second, but what uh, the whole thing fell out to was there became two camps, and one was the whole like, oh, you can't joke around anymore, you can't be funny, uh, you, you know, let's just bust in balls, you got to do it, and then the other side of um, people being super stern of just like you can't say anything. What happened was you can make fun of anything, make fun of anyone, um, as long as you do it uh, intelligently, as long as you're not. Uh, in essence, uh, uh, it's like uh, provoking a problem, provo- provoking a problem from a different, the wrong source. Yeah. Like, um, it's like, don't again, th- there's, there's a great quote that I've always loved. It's just assholes punch down. Like it. And, and the reason this guy got booted from SNL and rightfully so, first of all, SNL did not do their research enough and he's just doing like the really classic Asian voice, but not. He's, he's just flat out making fun of Asian people. Mm-hmm. And he was doing the classic, like, big tooth thing. I'm not going to do it. I'm probably... Sh- yeah. Uh, but... He, he was he was just using he was well-known mar- stereotypes yeah, he was, he, to yeah. be funny, but he was doing like, it he in would have most- killed in, like, the Poconos in, like, 48. He would have <laughs> been great. Uh, but uh, it's the damnedest thing. Every day uh, that we're alive, we learn that uh, somebody who's just a person uh, or a group of people that uh, are just trying to live their lives uh, are like, hey, can you not make fun of us because we are a certain way? And then people are like, oh, well, I guess, I guess we can't do that now. It's like, yeah, no, shit, you can't do that. Or you can but that's that's the that's your First Amendment. That's your freedom of speech. People forget that there's freedom of consequence. Mm, that's a really good phrase. I want that on a T-shirt. Yeah, freedom of free, speech also means freedom of consequence. Yeah, you're not free of consequence if you're going to say something fucking stupid. Mm. Prepare to take the flag. I have said some boneheaded shit in my life. I own up to it, and I try to be conscious of what I'm doing. I try to keep anything that uh, I personally am jiving with somebody about surface um uh or just uh uh basically sorry i'm i'm like went mid thought this is why i don't drink during a podcast um it is very easy to still be funny um that is when the beauty of the abstract and the surreal comes into play because that will always be funny if you do it right mm-hmm. if you just basically take a subject uh and turn it on turn it on its head if you find a new way or a new piece of information uh, or a piece of a puzzle that ha- somebody hasn't played with yet um, all of those are open to you and trial and error it's also I've done this before where it's like uh I have this joke I think it's funny I think it's funny and now I maybe have gone through a checklist of like okay is this gonna am I gonna seem is this an asshole thing to say just am I just saying something you know like a pejorative or anything just to, to get her a laugh, mm-hmm. like, like, a, <laughs> or am I actually saying something good with this or is it making, uh, some sort of observation that I find interesting and funny, but is this going to be detrimental to somebody else as a person? Mm-hmm. And that's why I so very rarely, if ever do stand up anymore. And it's not because I don't think I can be funny. It's just, it's, it's, it's a different format and it's such I'll, a fine line I to can walk, host a show to walk. Dude, uh, the last time I did actual straight-up stand-up comedy was so weird. I have not watched it since. I didn't offend anybody because um, there was, like, nobody in the room to offend <laughs> all, all six of the comics and my wife. Um, be that as it may, um, I'll ask somebody, should I say this? Is this funny? Am I just saying something to – is, like, this – or is this just stupid? Is this, like, uh, antagonistic for no reason whatsoever? 
And if the person's just like, hey, that's funny, you should do that. Uh, and it's always, I always ask people that I find funny. Mm-hmm. And there are people in my life and friends who have severe stage fright. They do not want to be in front of people saying things. Um, they they would never want to read anything they've written personally. Like just, you know, witty, brilliant friends that are so talented that I respect their opinion on that. Because if you ask somebody who you respect their sense of humor, just as a person, just you respect them and how they present humor because we all have somebody in our life who is you're like oh you should be a comedian it's like um, they don't want to be in front of people they just on the one-on-one basis so they're talking they like to make a person laugh that's a a noble cause Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you get on stage and do it or write it down do a podcast or you're just being nice to somebody at the the friggin' bank Mm -hmm. um if you're going to have that empathetic connection, that's all that matters. And people that can then refine that and make it interesting in front of people, especially for money, then rock and roll. But to your greater point of the beginning, it is not hard to be funny. You just have to be more creative. You actually have to put some work into it. Um, hey, we've done this thing the same way for 45 years. What? Now we can't do it? Yeah, well, you know, asbestos was in houses for like 70 years. <laughs> Fucking lead was in paint for like um, almost a like majority of a century. And, uh, well, guess what? You can't do that. It's not good for you. So you find ways of being funny. Mm-hmm. You might fail, but if your heart's in the right place, rock and roll. Um, and that's that's a big thing that I've really... I'm not going to – it doesn't offend me. I should say take issue perhaps. Really, it's just – it's fucking lazy, honestly. It's just lazy when people are just like, oh, well, I can't say that anymore. It's like, yeah, no dipshit. You can't. Or you can't – like I I have – one of my favorite things is listening to Bill Burr where he – obviously, you know Bill Burr. I do. And and you listen to him and he he says things and you're like, God, are you just an asshole and I believe you, which makes me an asshole? Or are you speaking truth in the only way that I'm capable of understanding? And because he has so many things where he he says there's a dog chewing on me, chew toy. For everyone here, including Tyler Brooks, my music engineer and audio engineer, is loving this. He's a good dog, hey buddy. All right, hey um, Bob, come here. <laughs> uh, Bill Burr talks, and he makes so many really, really great points about, and they're very, they're on the line of these really um, difficult political. Lines. Yeah. Where he talks about, you know, feminism and he talks about, uh, you know, the, the Me Too movement and he talks about all these crazy things that, like, people really don't get away with talking about anymore. And he does and he has an audience, but it's all, he's, there's this line of like, you're only saying it because you're speaking on the behalf of all comedians. But, you're but then, also but he says, not? but he says you can't do this anymore. But then he goes and makes a joke. And the reason why he's succeeding in his career right now, I think, is because he's making a joke about, about, not being able to say things about the jokes he wants to say. So he's just kind of like turning it on its head and then turning it back on its head. You know, he's like rotating it 90 degrees and then upright another 180 so it looks like the same image, but he's doing it through a filter, you know, like a, just some strange algorithm. And he's... Yeah, he's... They, well, everybody has been playing the same song. And uh, it's funny, he, he, um, he talks about recently he's uh, learned how to fly a helicopter, but he's been a drummer for a while. And um, a lot of comics um, uh, have are generally fairly multi-talented. Mm. And uh, uh, like Mel Brooks was a drummer. Bill Burr's a drummer. A lot of comics can play an instrument or can sing or can do 
more than just stand up, and a lot of them, someone won't talk about it. You think that's a disciplinary thing? I just think being it's, able to have discipline. No, I think it's 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 expression and it's harnessing your ADD, mm. oh, for, yeah, for yeah. lack of a better word. But beside the point, um, if you pull out enough on any subject, um, everything is gray. They're they're. Everything is the middle, and it's kind of happening right now politically in this country too. And I mean I'm not even talking about the president or anything like that. I just mean the dynamics of of interacting with other human beings via uh, social media, interpersonal, widespread, anything. It's There's so much mixed and in the middle that people are now – I hate to sound like guys like, well, you know, it's not all black and white. Yeah, well, now it's really coming to that where now people that have been lost in that mix are actually getting a say. And that's good. That is it's, – it's like food. If you're just having chicken with salt and pepper every goddamn day, you're going to get fucking sick of it and you might get a little crazy. And as Americans, we have access to firearms and that never goes well. Um it's like cooking. You need more spice. You need more. Uh, you need more ingredients. You need a better flavor. And the more people that now come out and take issue with certain things, first of all, that's their right. They're totally free to be offended by something. That is perfectly fine. Um, it's then up to the next people to say, in their opinion, well, why are you offended? Instead of just being like, oh, fuck you, you're offended, deal with it. Well, why were you offended? Because mm-hmm. there's also people that I have offended in comedy that I do not give two shits that I offended them because they, as people, stand in direct opposition to the the basic, uh, again, as we talked about, shared empathy of things. Mm-hmm. Only assholes punch down. Um, if someone is somewhat mean-spirited to begin with, they are self-serving, they are selfish, or they're just they're just out for themselves, and that carries over into the, the way they interact with people, uh, how they may govern other people, then fuck you. I don't care. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this, but it's... It's not hard to be funny if you know what you're doing. There's mm-hmm. going to be trial and error. You are going to offend somebody. Somebody may have a royal stick up their ass that will find offense uh, anywhere you do. There's a saying we have at the bar that... Um, and, Educate me. And Learn me, Zach. Okay, no, it's, it's bar, but it's also... It, 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 it's how I really sort of feel things because I'm an incredibly liberal person. Uh, I'm part of the LGBTQ community, so I need to get that out there. I'm pretty le- – I, I grew up in a fucking union household, so I have to get that part out there so I can say a couple of things. First of all, this is the big one that we always say. Ultra-left, blue stater, super conservative, pro-business, red stater. They both tip for shit. <laughs> Neither of them can tip. They <laughs> they are so up their own asshole. They're not funny. They will find some sort of offense to be taken. Um, and from wherever they're coming from, it's 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 so so not a part of reality. So I keep that in mind whenever I see because I I have friends and people that I completely uh, politically and morally agree with on 99% of things, and I have no desire to sit and listen to them for more than 30 seconds (laughs) just because they just – they're so grating 
to be in a room with that it's it just it just gnaws at you that someone can be that fucking boring that's so rough it's so boring Uh, that's why i love so many friends of mine that are like that and i call them friends but really they're like weak acquaintances but it's like at some point when are you taking a stand for the sake of taking a stand yeah is this your stonewall is what we always say (laughs) and it's it's true because there uh, is also a degree where you yourself, and I'm not saying this is a blanket statement because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a white American male. This was all designed for me. So <laughs> I, can, I, I, I try to stand back from that because I, I have inherent Catholic guilt and assume uh, I've done wrong constantly hmm. um, that if I'm not nice or good to everybody, I'm, I'm screwing over the planet. And if I don't do my best to just at least try to make things better, then I failed. And I don't think that necessarily makes me a better person. That's just how I operate. And I have to remember that when I am either too hard on myself for something or I feel somebody might be like really over investigating things I've said. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep that in mind. There Again, people are going to take offense to what you say comedically no matter who they are. Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to take offense with what and you, you say. And you see it every day. And you see it every day. There is I mean, we could go we could go down a rabbit hole, but this is also being recorded. Um <laughs> I think again, as long as there's goodness in your heart and you're going after the the right tower, uh comedy is speaking truth to power. And if you're going after people that are powerless or you're going after people that have uh hardships and and lack of opportunity or no opportunity whatsoever because of a system that may have failed them, then that's lazy. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And if someone takes offense to that, you made a joke about uh, someone like that, then, yeah, they're right. That was a dumbass thing to say. But if you're going, it's all about um, what's the subject of the joke. And if you can make yourself or the the inherent uh, – conflict you have the the self the butt of the joke then i think you're free to do a lot more and i think it's also going to make you a smarter um just person are you talking self-depreciation or are you talking i'm deprecating a shit dude i so many times during the day i'll just be like you know i I will sell i'm self i'm so self-deprecating be self-effacing it's great it's it's it's, it's one of the purest forms of comedy it's a sign of intellect honestly (laughs) no well thank you Uh, anybody that's smart generally hates themselves dude fuck me (laughs) fuck me dude i suck I, I, so I went on a cruise, right? Mm-hmm. And all I'm thinking is I am the most white, privileged, millennial piece of human garbage that is in this fucking country of Jamaica. I have seen a different world. How dare me for complaining about shit. So then for like the rest of the week, I'm just like, my bath water won't get warm. Dude, fuck me. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat with Wi-Fi. You're on a boat like, with I don't Wi-Fi, and, and alcohol comes out of the goddamn wall. So then whenever anybody complained, I'm like, well, you know, I'm a millennial, white privileged piece of shit. You know, and it's and it's like, that's not necessarily the self-depreciation I'm talking about, but it's just like, I had the self-awareness all of a sudden where I was like, holy shit, like, I'm not a good person in comparison. Uh, or I'm I'm really taking advantage of something I don't understand. And then in my daily life, I, re- I relate it back to, you know, I, I have drinks for, let's say I go out with my girlfriend and I'll, I'll be like, ah, well, you know, I'm feeling fat today, so I'm going to 
be good. And there's that depreciation of self-esteem issue. But then I can go out and I can be like, well, you know, I can't run that far because I'm a fat piece of shit. It's like those are those are two different perspectives with having said the exact same thing. Self-esteem issue versus self-depreciation are not necessarily connected in each given moment. Use your weakness as your strength. That's what, yeah. and that was a later, I, I always adhered to it. I haven't really, or at least I thought I adhered to it, but I haven't really, that hasn't really stuck with me until like maybe my late 20s, early 30s, um, because of my wife partner, Emily, wife partner, wife partner incorporated, uh, and um, comedy really, or at least the performing writing of uh, got a lot better for myself uh, once I had writing with my wife and writing with Brad Labrie and now um, Kat, who was on the show yep. uh, recently as well, um, uh, because of perspectives and um, you were just actually talking about travel, which and, – and you you were saying that that was a, a really good – uh, device or experience to kind of inspect yourself. Uh, yeah, you just compare yourself to the rest of the world and realize that maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, maybe you're better, maybe you're worse. But you finally you get this perspective change of I've seen somebody else's circumstance. Yeah, and it's 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 wokening. It's a, you know you dumb be woke. I, I dumb be woke. I try to stay woke. Well, I'm paraphrasing Mark Twain because I I suck at many quotes, but mostly um, and this is I'm again. Pardon me. It was basically uh, travel is the cure for uh, bigotry, intolerance, and small-mindedness. Again, that is a heavy paraphrase. Yeah. He said something witty. Uh, he also wrote a book where like every fifth word's the N-word, so eh, who knows. <laughs> um, <laughs> How could he be both sides of one coin, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But let me tell you a story about the South. Um, <laughs> long time ago in Bosura. Um and I had the, I'd very much the same too. Cause, uh, uh, my wife and I, like, that's what we generally try to, this is what we spend most of our like time investing in is travel. Mm. Like, uh, really? we, yeah, well the week before you left, we were in Spain. Yeah. We've been trying to make this episode happen for a while. And you, yeah. you were supposed to be, and like I'm really four, sorry that this is, 10. this is probably going to be, uh, this is, I, I feel like it's going to be a B minus and it's all my fault. You know, every single Every single guest have said that. Maybe not the B minus specific. Yeah, but quote, I'm but way cooler than like all your guests combined, and I am f- failing right now. I don't. I don't think so, man. I wouldn't worry. Um, about it. you have to travel, and because th- there's the other side of things that people always forget. It's like you need to see other people's hardships. You need to see people's uh, struggle. You need to understand how other cultures or people view you. But there's another thing about traveling that I love, and it's seeing people that are way bigger assholes than you are. Oh, when you're with some, like man. you're in a city or a setting where you're like at a restaurant, uh, specifically like that. And you know, I'm gonna say this to any to the world at large: if you don't live in the United States and you are from abroad, maybe not Britain, uh, and and you inherently just hate Americans based on our politics or, or our military or anything, you're right. If you are going to look at me bad or treat me poorly when I'm in your country, I don't blame you. I understand. I get it. <laughs> I expect it. But then, of course, you're always marveled by people just being nice because they think of things bigger than country or person but i love traveling when you're sitting at a restaurant or a cafe or something and you know people are being nice to you because i mean you're spending money and mm-hmm. you're a tourist and that's how 
some places make their money. That's how friggin' Maine stays in business. The amount of times I pretend to care about people for a living is amazing. <laughs> um, and then you see someone be a genuine jackhole that is just a universal asshole. Like yeah. not even not even like like they no did, translation like a needed. bad social more like they were just a, a complete and utter shithead and they're not American. <laughs> and you're just sitting there uh and I I live for the moment of I don't speak the same language as someone. I don't know who they are. I don't know their story. I know nothing about this person. But uh, somebody acts like a giant asshole, and you just sort of look at them, and you get one of these. Like, you just connect with somebody immediately. You just get the eye roll, It transcends language. It transcends class. It transcends ev- economic mm. status. Just both seeing someone that is a bigger asshole than either of you <laughs> and acknowledging, like, you know what? We're all the same. At least we're not. That's that's what I live for. Hey, at least we're not that. At asshole. the end of the day, every country, every government has assholes, and yeah. that's comforting. Every every <laughs> everybody is is flawed. Everybody's a piece of shit. Everybody's trying. Just don't be evil. Yeah, really. What it comes down to, um, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, God, I hope I say something of substance before then. One thing I'm wondering, and we've touched on it a little bit, and I was looking for a segue, and and I think this is kind of it. Of comedy is essential. Because of what it can do to the human emotion. Uh, Comedy and emotion, comedy and your well-being, they're so connected. Like, a sense of humor is better than any medication you can take. I mean, Robin Williams said it. So has millions of other people. You know what I mean? He's the one I remember. But I've had moments where I wanted to cry. I've had moments where I wanted to punch things. But I tell you, when I started embracing comedy and I started embracing laughter and self-depreciation and going out with my friends and valuing five minutes of just laughing mm-hmm. about something that happened 10 years ago, as opposed to punching a punching bag or going home and, you know, punching my pillow and crying myself to sleep, I stopped punching my pillow and crying myself to sleep and punching a punching bag. Yeah. Comedy became, and humor became the focus because it heals everything. One good laugh where you can't breathe and when you can't comprehend anything that's going on and you can barely stand up is one of the most powerful decompressive tactics I have ever utilized. I hope I die laughing. I hope oh that, I hope God. I have I hope I'm in the middle of a deep gut laugh cuz when I when I really really laugh it sounds pathetic. I don't have like a fun <laughs> laugh. It is it is high pitched. It is one sound and then there's a break in air, and then it's just like, um, I have laughed. I've had laughter with you, um, but it, no, it's scientifically proven. If you laugh, you're going to feel better. It's 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 tied into having you're having a mild orgasm. You're uh, having uh, attachment to a moment of of pure innocence. You're having. Uh, it's all endorphins. It's all dopamine. It's it's everything wrapped up in a one. Laughter is so good for you. Um, it's not the best medicine. It's a good medicine. Real medicine. More people need real medicine. <laughs> um, uh, 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 this is a thing that gets me, especially with comedy uh, and everything. Um, as somebody who has a mental illness and has to deal with it, if any of you post more pictures about telling me to go hiking. Fuck you. Oh my God. So hard. Um, uh, cause I've gone hiking. Uh, I'm active. I run. Um, if I don't take my medication, um, I feel like 
killing myself. And uh, I, I, I tried once where uh, I didn't take my medication and I went on a beautiful nature hike and I'm like, this is so gorgeous. I still want to die. <laughs> So I, I feel I really feel, terrible look, that all of my teeth are showing because I'm laughing right now. Should, no, it's but fine. It's because I understand where you're coming from. Dude, it's that most... genuine empathetic connection that we were just talking about is like I, I haven't been diagnosed with mental illness or anything, but I understand like I consider myself an empath and I, I've talked to several people. and I think I'm an, yeah. a, a hyper empathetic. Right. And I, I just for some reason, I'm able to understand everything you just said. And it's like. Well, this basic empathy. I almost just had a tear for you, man. Oh, thanks. Well, no, it's something I've I've dealt with all my life. I'm not ashamed of it. It's fine. Of anything, again, it's turning your weakness into strength. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it every day can be a struggle. It's not as bad. Um, but there's two things before we get to the rappy uppy thing. One thing that today that struck me and it made me laugh. And I talked to Emily about it. Um, uh, platitudes and any sort of uh, th- inspirational thing you see online that's tantamount to basically like, you know, like, you know, you're you, be you, and, you know, just keep doing you until it's right. Dance like nobody's watching, you know, like <laughs> that. You know evil, greedy shitheads read that too, right? <laughs> so people that are already awful and oh, they don't know they're embraced. awful, they're just like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing me. All right, yeah, fuck I'm the gonna, poor. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to keep Whatever. not donating. Yeah, I'm going to participate in an economy that's made up. <laughs> fuck that guy. Um, uh, but... Really, in the end of, of, of it all, it's kindness. You just got to be kind. And um, comedy has a really great way of deflating anything that uh, a false sense of power or control. Mel Brooks kind of did it best. And it, it's versions of it have happened since then. But how do you take away uh, the pain and, and the giant scar on humanity? That was the Nazis and the Holocaust. You make a musical about Hitler and you just make him foolish and you dance around and, and make this absolute huge monster of a, of, a, of a subhuman that ever had power and re- just reduce him to what he was, which was just a, a, a foolish little asshole that too many people listen to. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. That to me mm-hmm. is brilliant. That's why satire. That's why everything needs to happen and again um a lot of people say like late night's too political i'm sick of people you know why why do we have to keep making fun of this well because if we don't real bad shit happens and if you don't like what's happening uh vote smarter next time do you think (laughs) that the huge impact of excuse me let me reword that do you think that the (laughs) no i'm just kidding Uh, do you think that the huge um amount of comedians like the population of people who are comedic and have screen time is a f- is helping america become more self-aware uh i'd like it to be i'd like to honestly think we're not nearly as divisive as all the polls think mm. or people they say i don't i haven't really i mean we're up here in the corner state and the sticks but um self-awareness is is the greatest commodity that you can have as a person Mm-hmm. Uh, being hyper aware is, is if it's so to the point that it's a weakness, then it's still a strength mm-hmm. because I would rather be more, I would rather be painfully aware than blissfully ignorant. I honestly would. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's wrap this conversation up a little bit. Jesus. Um, if you were going to give one 
opinion on comedy for the people at home who listen to this entire thing and they're the good 58 minutes and 17 seconds into this thing what would you ask them to walk home knowing to leave home remembering like if you had to remember one point failure will be your greatest teacher (laughs) (laughs) just the most like wikipedia like in fitspo instagram post just no just be be prepared to fail and um, be honest. Just honesty. Honesty is funny. Honesty is sexy. <laughs> honesty is beautiful. Just be honest. And if, if if your honesty is bizarre and abstract and it makes people laugh for a good reason, then you're doing something right. I, I can't uh, – dude, I – I would not say I'm an expert on anything. Even though you have me on uh, under the guise of some sort of expert. I Yeah, you're on here cuz you're an authority on a subject, man. That's why I, that's, f- that's my uh that's my one um guideline of bringing guests onto this podcast. And I fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. I'm, I know nothing. I'm actually a chemist. <laughs> All right. Well, as I finish my drink, that means that the conversation has ended. Do I eat this lime? No. And so I just I mean, you can. The it's, not, of it's, it's good. I'm Vitamin one of those weirdos C. that like eats lemon and lime, but I'll it's save that for you. after the podcast. So in order for us to figure out whether or not one stiff drink made you a better at being a mixologist, I worded that weird, but this had four shots in it, so I'm going to justify it. Hey, hey, it had like two and a half. Really? Ish. Four Mississippi plus another seven Mississippi, or three Mississippi? I feel like that's... Two, four, six. Just drink some three water. And and half, fine, kid. Uh, yeah, some water. I, I, I'm having a craving for Domino's. Um, we need to figure out whether or not right one stiff drink made you a big at uh, mixology. So I still have another four ones, but instead of listing the ingredients and telling you how it's made, I'm going to list what I want you to make, and you're going to tell me how it's made. Keep in mind, you went four for four. I know, and I'm not actually that good of a bartender. All right, I get by on personality. So, did I ask you to make a sex on the beach the last time? You did. I did? I asked you to make an Old Fashioned, Mm -hmm. a White Russian, a Cosmopolitan, and a Tequila Sunrise? No. Yes. I didn't ask you how to make a sex on the beach. Oh, hell, I don't remember that one. Yeah, make a sex on the beach. Um, Either way, bring a towel, (laughs) because you don't want sand in there. Uh, Christ, I can't remember how to make a freaking sex on the beach. It's got orange juice and rum in it, right? Uh well no, uh wait well, it's got orange juice yeah, I got the orange juice and it's just orange juice and booze. <laughs> it says vodka peach schnapps orange juice and cranberry juice. I don't fucking remember. I don't know. So I got one well, automatically. I've uh, also alcohol made you worse. Uh, alcohol made see that's why I don't drink. I also have been lucky to work at a beer bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost where I, I just almost, like I don't know how to drink. I don't know how to make that. Shut up. Say something else. I almost came on here and I put the ingredients for how to make like a basic beer and was just gonna see if you could memorize it. And but it would have been too easy. Like hops, yeast. <laughs> You'd been like, that's beer. Hop, yeast, and malt. Um, let's try a uh, shit. I failed on sex on the uh, beach. A Moscow Mule, which is pretty much what we just made. A Moscow Mule is exactly what we just had. Um, so basically, you've got ginger ale or ginger beer, lime, and vodka. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a capitalistic piece of shit, serve it in a copper cup. <laughs> I don't get it. Every every bell and whistle you can think of, I I I both get and disagree with. All righty then. Well, because you've already failed, I'll give you an opportunity to redeem yourself. Okay. These next one of these next ones is difficult. I think, knowing nothing. It's all right. 
the first one, which is not that difficult for you, I think, is a Long Island iced tea. Long Island iced tea? All right. Uh, first and foremost, don't order them. They're not good for you. And I, I, I judge you immediately. All bartenders judge you immediately. So basically... Really? Oh, yeah. Long Island iced tea? It, it, it it's gonna go bad, or it might go bad. I don't know, but you're basically just having every white alcohol poured into a glass with a little bit of sour and Pepsi on it. That's that's a Long Island iced tea. What, what's the judgment? What's the judgment? Just that you you're just, like, it's it. That you're is just a, trying to get shit faced immediately. Is, yeah, that is a drink that is a purely utilitarian drink. That is, I'm getting fucked up as fast as I can. That's probably why it's the most expensive drink. There's way <laughs> more expensive drinks, but I'm saying Long Island iced tea. Uh, that's yeah, uh, vodka, rum. Um, not usually gin, but you can. You can put anything you want in it, really. But it's mostly it's all the uh, the white or the clears, and then a splash of uh, sour mix, and then a splash of Pepsi. All right, yeah, that's what I got. Or or cola, sorry. Cola is what I have written in my thing. Thanks, yeah, thanks for yeah. And you're either a dirt bag or you're 21. There's plenty <laughs> of other better drinks that are cheaper that'll get you where you need to be, and you don't look like an amateur. <laughs> Last one, ready? Okay, sangria blanca. Sangria Blanca? Oh, God. Well, there's like Yeah, eight... this is the last one. I just, well, no, I... the, no. Okay, I'm not going to argue this, but it's a white wine-based sangria, so it can be any sort of... There's so many ways to make a sangria. I know. I know. I'm looking for you to get five of these. Five of them? Five of these nine ingredients. Five of those nine ingredients? Yeah. Okay, uh, some sort of white wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably vodka. Uh, usually, I would go with uh, brandy myself, brandy or some sort of uh, some sort of fresh fruit. Uh, probably a little bit of orange juice. Uh, God, there's so much shit in a yeah, fucking sangria. Yeah, that's dude. a difficult one. I wanted you to make me like if you were gonna make me a sangria blanca, how would you do it? Let's go do it this way. I think you failed the challenge. Alcohol made you worse at mixology. Make tell people at home how to make a sangria blanca. Your favorite, like like the way you would make a sangria blanca. The way I would want a sangria blanca, I would go to Nocturnum Draft House <laughs> on Main Street in Bangor, Maine, and I would ask Kayla Patton, the best bartender I've ever known and worked with, to make me one. And she'd look at me and say, Zach, why are you ordering that? And I'm going to say, because Ethan made me feel bad for not knowing what's in, essentially... All right. Wine punch. Let me let me tell you. So so Wikipedia Wikipedia said white wine, Spanish sherry, orange liqueur, white grapes, lemon peaches, honeydew, and club soda. Oh fuck you! You just you just you got me. You just asked for fruit salad and wine. Yeah, pretty much. With a triple second in it. No, I did not fail that. That's my back. That's my back. That's not a fail. You still failed the first one. No, that's you you went four for four. That's semantics. (laughs) All right. Um... The last question I'm going to ask you before this ends. You have something you want to plug, right? There's a show coming up in December. Maybe. I'm going to give you the opportunity, which I don't give to any people, so you should feel a little... You, know. you didn't give this to Noel Seamarsh. No, I didn't give this to Noel Seamarsh. That's right. Uh, previous podcast called Watch him 39th U.S. Marshal. Um, Do not mess with him. He's very intimidating. He's like six seven. Um Tell the people why they should go to your December show. Okay, so uh, Friday, December 13th at the Bangor Arts Exchange in Bangor, Maine. Her Majesty's Cabaret Holiday Spectacular. It is the first show we've done in over two and a half years. And why not make your first show back the biggest bitch you've ever done? Um, all new sketches, all new video material, completely new show. Not only that, 
We have uh, musical guests when particles collide, uh, the uh, community chamber choir Divizi. Uh, we have performances by Robinson Ballet. We're going to be helped out by the focus group. I'm, no, I'm telling you. Tell me. I'm giving them the eyes, like, to tell the people Sorry. at home. I'm going. Do you guys know how, <laughs> how cameras work? Great. Um, and it's going to be a laugh. It's going to be a lark. It'll be a great way to laugh away all your pain because, oh, my God, there's so much in the world. But we do have to thank a couple of people for this and entities. Pardon me. Oh. Class is optional. I know, but I was trying to be good. Okay. Uh, thankfully, we've always been super supported by the community. Uh, Van Sickle Kia has been awesome to us. Uh, Southern Western Communications is being super awesome to us. Uh, Ed and Vanessa Viner have been super generous and super nice to us. Uh, Northern Oak Media doesn't know the shit they got into, but that, uh, that's my company. But uh, they're helping us. Um, Bangor Arts Exchange itself has been super handy. And then one of our go to sponsors from the very beginning. They have always been supportive and wonderful of us. Uh, the Rock and Art Shop in downtown Bangor, Maine. And I think I just got everybody. And support from viewers like you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, remember, on top of being available for your viewing pleasure on YouTube, you can also download the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. At the bond, the, ooh, Jesus. You know, yeah, and three and a half shots in there. I'm not convinced it was just two. Can, you get, can I get it on Winamp? <laughs> uh, add the Boondock Perspective on Facebook and Instagram for sneak peeks and highlights. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Deuces. Deuces.